Hello. How are you, my friend? Have you found your way to me yet again? I'm glad you did. It was a little too quiet again. I wonder why it's been so quiet lately. This forest has been my fortress, you know. I was talking about fortresses last week, so perhaps that is why I thought of it. This forest became a place for me to rest, to heal, to grow strong. I think it may have been my original intention to rebuild here, but then I figured it was better left untouched. There is so much to discover here, too. Why would anyone build anything on top of it when they haven't even scratched the surface of what it has to offer? There has been so little activity here since I did battle with the great mechanical beast and returned home a little worse for wear, yet victorious. I think. I hope. But even then, this place was not so bad. It was fine. I am fine. I survived. But I think I would like for there to be room for more here. In the past, I felt that maybe there wasn't enough time. Not enough space. Not enough room for anything other than me and my thoughts and my wanderings and my deep breaths. But it was not that there was not enough space for anything else. It is that I needed that space. I needed space. And in many ways, I continue to. But at the same time, I feel there is space for something else. It is not quite a longing or a want, which is a good thing. This feeling that draws me towards that certain something else. It's more like a spark. A faint breath of something, a whisper in the corner, a pleasant scent in the hallway. The thought that there could be a certain something else, a certain something more, in your forest with you, if you want. But what could it be? What should I make room for? I asked my tarot cards and I shuffled, clear-headedly, as it's felt quite often lately, like I'm shuffling deliberately, even if I can't see the cards, which I can't. My hands now know which cards should go where and when. There is a knowing, there is a familiarity. It is like coming home now. I pulled the card out and said the word, yes, as in, I understand you perfectly. The High Priestess. There she is. I haven't seen her yet. Perhaps because I wasn't ready for her. Oh, I thought I was. But right now, looking on her, I know now is the right time. She has come at the perfect time. 
She is the divine feminine that resides in all of us. She is our intuition, our sacred subconscious. Wisdom older than time, spirit strong and true. Like the moon, she represents the influences in nature and in our lives and within ourselves that are hidden just under the surface, separated perhaps only by a thin veil, and available only to those willing to look and listen. Simply put, there is a profound and primal magic that we cannot see, but is there, in our world and inside of us. I believe this. The High Priestess asks us, I think, first to trust this, and then to trust ourselves. I think that is the correct order of the process. But I am no expert. I'm just trying my best to figure out all of it and then to remember that I never will, and so to be reminded to let go of that. That is the cycle that I repeat often. It's not that bad, actually. Learning more leads to knowing less when it comes to magic, I think, and that's good. Anyway, seeing her takes a weight from my shoulders. I asked what I should make room for in my woods. Of course, of course I must always make room for the High Priestess. I always have room to spare for her. She is everything. The unknowing and the relearning and the listening and observing is everything. She makes me think of a story. A story about a world that only some of us see, and sometimes, mostly, most of the time, it is in their dreams. Close your eyes, if you're able, and imagine a world very much like ours, Except that anything we've made, be they walls, buildings, screens, whatever, anything that did not grow from the world itself, anything that nature did not provide, or anything that is not or was not once living and breathing, anything such as this is just slightly transparent. And behind it, behind all of that stuff, you can see behind it just endless, vast space, almost black, with countless stars, more stars than you ever could imagine, because they're not stars, they're too close to be stars. They're little pinpricks of light, little particles floating, suspended slightly, 
all around you and at all times. Imagine more stars than you could ever see on a given night, just hovering around you, always. They are not stopped by walls, buildings, screens, whatever. They pass through them like little ghosts. They are not stopped by such things. Now the thing is that the same goes for any person who is able to travel in this dream world. Any person who can venture here can move very freely, through walls, buildings, screens, whatever. They do not need a floor or a ground to walk on. The air is sweet and thick, and anyone who can venture here can move through it like they were swimming through water. All human life, or animal life, or plant life, for that matter, is lit up from within in this dream world. In this world that is really our world, just without the pretense, really, without the set dressing there, revealing the much more interesting scene, in my opinion. Anyway, all life seems to be lit up from within, and golden. Just larger versions of those little starry particles. Or maybe filled with thousands of them. Who knows? I certainly don't know what causes the light, but it's beautiful to behold. And these people who choose to be in this dream world, that is, anyone who moves freely and consciously in this place, deliberately, that is, they're the same, golden from the inside, only that their eyes are lit up brightly, like little torches, whether they can see or not, even if they have no eyes, no matter. There will still be two bright, golden orbs there. Orbs that can see all this light, all around them, too. It is a dark place, but glowing, too. All dark blue and golden, this world. There was once a boy who visited this world. He lived in a town that was neither small, nor was it very large. You could meet a stranger there and think nothing of it. You might wander into a store you've never seen before, and only just discovered. But it was no big city, either. That being said, this was in a time and in a land where people did not really move at the speed our cities today move at anyway. The sunsets seemed to take their time in this place, and in this year. We should be jealous of that, I think. Our hero was a peculiar young man, indeed. He held a place of both reverence and fear, not by anything of his doing, but by virtue of his birth. The circumstances were strange, the omens were strong, all of the signs were there. 
This is a gifted child. A child who has been touched by something altogether magical and special. Shall I name them? Shall I tell you what only his mother had seen on the day he was born? No, I don't think I will, for these mean different things to different people, and the thing is I'm not sure what I believe. I wonder if we all have the same capacity for magic and wonder, and only some of us choose to accept it. I wonder. But all that is to say, the people around him were skeptical and yet superstitious, a funny thing because they didn't dare disrespect him or treat him poorly, for they believed in his strange gift. But they avoided him as much as they could, since they feared the forces that seemed to surround him, the luck that followed him, and the imagined misfortune of anyone who wronged him. That was in their heads, I do not hesitate to say. He was happy, though. He loved his home. He loved his family. But he knew there was something more than what he saw with his waking eyes. He wanted to read about it. He wanted to learn of magic, spellwork, spirits, witchcraft. But even his family was shy about it. They did not want their neighbors to talk. They did not want to anger their church. And they did not want spirits or ill luck to fall on their home. So he found himself alone in his pursuit of some kind of greater truth that he couldn't even talk about with anyone close to him. He lay in bed one night, staring at the ceiling. Looking up at the old brick and mortar that was there, he thought to himself, I wish I could see the sky. I wish I could see beyond the sky. Surely there must be more than the sky. There must always be something beyond the sky. Mustn't there? He thought this same thought for seven nights in a row until he fell asleep. And on the seventh night, he fell asleep. Or that is, he thought he did. But he could not move his arms or his legs. Panic began to set in as he tried to open his eyes. He tried to pry his mouth open to call out, Help me. I can't move. Something is keeping me still. But nothing would move. Hey. He heard a voice say nearby, right at his ear. It's all right. It feels impossible. But try to sit up. I can't, the boy whispered. Just try. It will require more effort than usual, but you can do it. He slowly pried his eyes apart, and he saw a face he didn't recognize leaning over him. A kind face, perhaps a little drawn, and with the strangest glowing yellow eyes. It was another young man close to his age. He was calm. If he didn't seem so pleasant, our gifted young man in the bed might have been afraid that it was a demon, 
keeping him weighed down, unable to move in this state of half-sleep, half-waking. But he knew better than that. He was, after all, touched by fate himself. He knew better. He couldn't say why or how he knew better. He just did, and he trusted that. The face moved away from him, making space for him to sit up. Try, he repeated. And the young man in the bed did, and it felt as though he was so heavy, so very heavy, like a cinder block was on his chest, like his legs were filled with rocks. It was terrible, and it was agony until suddenly... It wasn't. It felt like a rope had been drawn so tight and then simply snapped, and he was free. He could move, he could breathe, and he was light as a feather. Lighter, even. He clutched his chest and smiled, and his new friend with the two glowing orbs set in his face smiled, too. He raised his head to laugh in relief, but it was then that he noticed the brick in the ceiling. It was all there, but it was not quite there, either. A little transparent, only slightly, but behind it and before it, and even passing through it, were tiny little flecks of gold hanging in the air. Some still as dust in a windless room. Some moving in short spurts like tadpoles in a pond. He whirled around in shock, and then saw himself, lying in his bed, eyes closed and body very still but for the calm and steady breaths it still took. That's me, he remarked. Not really said the new friend at his side. The young man tried to look into his mirror, but no such luck. It would not provide him with a reflection. Only little golden flecks going through it. Useless, that piece of glass now. But when he looked at his hand, he saw it lit up with a pulsating golden light, just like the other boy's hand. Were his eyes the same? Yes, his new friend said, placing a hand on his shoulder. It did not feel like a hand, only the warmth that comes from a hand. Your eyes are like mine, too. That's how I found you. They finally got bright enough for me to see. The boy spun around again and looked at his new friend. You found me? He smiled finally. You're like me, then. Touched by fate? The other boy scoffed a little. <laughs> sure, if you like. I just know I've been doing this forever. He then floated through the brick ceiling. And since it was transparent to them, he looked down at the boy. Are you coming? The other one simply thought it, and he was up in the sky in no time. 
Together they went on a great adventure, and they became fast friends, and they went adventuring night after night after night, and I will relate to you here just a few of those adventures their spirits went on in the dream world. They saw feats of nature more incredible than any myth or legend. Horses lit gold from the inside, running through open plains, their hooves beating a beautiful rhythm into the earth of an entirely original composition. And deep in the water, glowing golden whales the size of cathedrals, singing and sighing and diving and laughing with one another. It was laughter, the boys knew without a doubt. And trees breathing. They heard their voices as they spoke to each other. They understood the degree to which they are alive and feeling things, for they glowed more brightly than most people the two boys snuck a glimpse at. And they did that, too. They went to the streets of a festival, not far away late at night. They watched the people dancing, their golden light spinning around and around, their laughter sending ripples of light upwards into the sky, where the young men could feel the vibration against their toes, and that made them laugh too. But that wasn't all. There were some things they didn't recognize. Some spirits, which is what they surmised they were, of shapes not quite human, not quite animal. Some smiled and some spoke, while others stared back at them with confusion and curiosity. They tended to be close to nature, most often. Some spirits seemed unique to mountains and stone, while others were attached to water or earth. But some seemed very, very lost. And sometimes they came across others like them, Others who walked in the dream world with golden eyes. They could see them back. Most often they smiled and went on their way. It didn't happen very frequently. And once or twice, the boys saw ones that were wrapped in shadow, hiding their glow, only their eyes showing. And they leapt over the rooftops, cackling into the night sliding through walls, and causing screams and agony inside houses, or frightening cows to death, all kinds of mean mischief. When our young man asked his friend who they were, he simply replied, I wouldn't deign to give you advice, but I'd stay away from them if I were you. All I know is that they walk here in malice, and I do not. And that was enough for him. He took his friend's advice. Humans and animals most often had their glowing golden self and their material flesh self together, one and the same. But it was not always the case. These were those who walked in dreams, just like the two boys. They weren't many, but they were there. Night after night, they saw wonder after wonder, and our protagonist learned more and more about his world. Both of them. The world of the material, 
where nature was calm and people only revealed what they wanted to reveal. And the dream world, the world of the spiritual, the other world, which looked very similar, only full of a busy but peaceful magic, and where life thrived despite all odds in the most unlikely of places. One night his soul met his friend's soul on his rooftop. I want to show you something I found, his friend said. He had heard rumors of a haunted house nearby. Only little tales, objects being thrown, strange breezes in the air when all the windows were closed, whispers in the dark, ever since there had been a death in the family but he went to investigate those rumors, first on his own before bringing his friend, only adding, I've been doing a lot more sleeping lately, and leaving it at that. They went to the haunted house. A husband and wife sat down to dinner with their baby, feeding her little bites between bites of their own meal, looking in through the window, and the walls too, I suppose. They heard laughter, and they saw joy, and they smelled the most delicious food, and they felt warmth, and more than that, love, joy. But then everyone gasped as a plate of vegetables was flung violently from the table. The man and the woman held each other in fear, shaking. But the baby laughed and soon enough the two of them found their joy again. Watch, the young man's friend said. And sure enough, the faint golden glow in the shape of a person, an old man came into view. His eyes were the brightest thing about him. He was trying to pick up the plate. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it just smelled so good, he muttered. But he couldn't do it. His hands passed right through the plate. Then he looked up and saw the two boys hovering outside the window. He waved. They waved back. He laughed. They laughed, too. Why wouldn't you laugh? if you were a spirit who could fly through the night in a beautiful dream world. And then the couple held each other tightly again, their eyes a bit afraid. Did you hear that? One whispered. But the baby laughed too. The baby waved her arms toward the old man with the glowing eyes, and he made faces at her and tried and failed to pinch her cheeks and the baby kept laughing, and the couple, though still afraid, decided to take it as a gift. The husband even shed a tear. He's dead, you know, the boy's friend said softly. I know, the other boy said. And before their eyes, the old man disappeared, waving at the baby as he did. 
I've been watching him for a few days now, his friend continued. He comes in and out as he pleases, less frequently now. He spends more time gone than he does here. Maybe that's how it's supposed to be, he said with a hint of sadness. So, when we die, the young man said, trying to imagine what this meant. Is this what ghosts were? Were all of them here by choice? Did they have control over it, or were some just lost to time and space? His friend shrugged. I don't know, why should I know? He said, a little angrily and they flew back to their own beds promptly after that. Of course, young people don't tend to stay angry at one another for very long, especially when there isn't really anything to be angry about. So they went on a few more adventures for a few more nights. Until one night, our young man's friend did not come. Once he fell asleep, the young man sat up and leapt out of his body, something he was very practiced in by now, and he floated his way up through the ceiling and to the open air. But his friend was nowhere to be seen. He swam through the air towards the little house he knew his friend lived in. A few shadowed figures with golden eyes were lurking about chuckling and watching before scurrying away elsewhere. What were they looking in on with such menacing glee? He peeked inside the window, and what he saw there made his celestial heart drop. There were family members, wearing black, sitting by an open casket. They were weeping and praying by it, holding each other tightly. There was a lovely feast laid out, dishes no doubt provided to the family by neighbors and friends. And in the humble casket, there lay a young man. Our hero had never seen what he looked like in the flesh. He was so thin, so frail. His face was so gaunt. He must have been ill, and for some time. Our young man felt a great sadness. Sadness at the realization that he might never see his friend again. Hey! The boy turned to look beside him, where his friend was hovering in the window golden from the inside, eyes bright burning orbs, just as the first time he'd met him. He was healthy. He was just as he had always seemed. When did it happen? The boy asked his friend. Just last night, the other boy replied. I didn't realize until I came home after we went for a flight. Why didn't you tell me? His friend shrugged, like he always did, and answered simply, I didn't know what was going to happen. 
I suspected that nothing might. But if I was wrong, he seemed to be shaking a little from the thought of it. If you were wrong, you'd still be all right, the young man said with a smile. Even if you weren't here, you would go somewhere. You'd be all right. His friend arched his brow. How do you know that? The boy smiled. I just know. His friend looked at the table of food. He heard the music playing in the other room. He felt the warmth of his mother's love. And he missed it all. It made him sad suddenly. Even if I'm alright, what about them? The young man nodded. I'll check on them. And they went off on another adventure, as though nothing much had happened to interrupt them from doing so in the first place. The boy kept his friend in the dream world, but also in his waking world for he visited his family often and brought food, fragrant flowers, perhaps records for them to play, anything he knew his friend would have enjoyed. When they asked why, he said that it was for his memory, but that wasn't quite true, and they knew it. They knew he had been special, touched by fate, some had said, a little magic in him. They knew, deep down, that if anyone's will could defy death, it was his. So they left him little offerings, little goodies, little treats he would have enjoyed. They played his favorite songs, they told his favorite jokes, and they held each other extra tightly and made the fire twice as large to keep them warm. And if a plate fell over, or if they heard a whisper in their ear. Hey. They did not scream. They smiled. I think that the High Priestess tells us that caring for our spiritual self that everlasting us that exists in a somewhere that is much like this place. In fact, it is this place, only it isn't at all. But feeding that spiritual self is of the utmost importance. Whatever may befall us in the flesh, it will come. We cannot avoid the realities we face here. And we cannot escape forever into dream worlds either. But there is a you that is golden and glowing and ready to fly. Just waiting for you to know that you can. And what you find on your flights may or may not help you in our world of walls, buildings, screens, whatever. But that does not make it any less real or important. Believe in that version of you. 
I am trying to see it in everyone, regardless of what world I am in. It's there. Good night, my friends. And if you dream of flying, be safe, take care, and have fun. Hello there, dear listener, and thank you so much for joining me for episode 174 of On a Dark, Cold Night. This is Kristen Zaza, your writer, host, podcaster, composer, team of one behind the podcast. I hope you're doing well, taking good care of yourself as we head into the holidays, into the colder weather, into the shorter days and longer nights. I have some thank yous I'd like to send out. First to my newest monthly supporter on Patreon, Faith Stein. Thank you so, so much for your pledge, Faith. I'm honored that you want to support what I do here. If you'd like to support the show through Patreon, let me just tell you about the perks you can receive for doing so. Every supporter of $1 US or more a month receives access to my ever-evolving soundtrack. So there are probably over 160 tracks on it right now. I haven't counted in a while. And every supporter of $5 US or more a month receives that perk as well as a monthly tarot reading video I upload for every full moon. The next one will be this Saturday, so keep an eye out for that. So to learn more, head on over to patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. And I'd also like to thank coffee supporter Terrible Horse, who donated to the show through coffee.com. Thank you so much, Terrible Horse. It means the world to me. If you'd like to support the show in this way by giving a one-time donation in the form of metaphorical coffee without those perks I mentioned before, you can visit my coffee page at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. A great way to help out without any money getting involved is to leave a rating and a review for the show on iTunes. You can also follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at a dark cold night, Instagram at darkcoldnightpodcast, on my Facebook and YouTube pages just called On a Dark Cold Night, or on TikTok at Kristen Zaza, all one word. Also, I have t-shirts and hoodies available at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night if you'd like to check those out. And a bit of news, on Saturday, December 18th, I'm going to be participating in the Sonar Network's Holiday Marathon on YouTube. Starting at 10 a.m. and going all day, you can catch a bunch of Sonar Network hosts and creators. Um, specifically, you can catch me at 5 p.m. I'm going to be playing a video game live. It's called My Big Sister. Apparently, it's an 8-bit horror game that looks really cute and eerie and mellow, which is pretty up my alley. I'm going to have a warm beverage ready, maybe some cozy lighting, and I thought we could just chill out together for an hour and play a video game from my living room. I hope you enjoy it. Head on over to the Sonar Network's YouTube channel for the link, or you can also find the event on YouTube too. Thank you so much for listening, my friends. I'm not sure whether or not I'll be taking a break at any point this month for the holidays. I'm deciding. I may see how I feel. I hope that's okay with you. But I expect to keep the shows coming. We're coming closer to the 200 mark, aren't we? 
I wonder what will happen after that. We'll see. Anyway, lots of love to you, my friends, and thank you again for joining me. All the best to you. Be well, and talk soon. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar.